The Water Values Podcast is sponsored by the following market-leading companies and organizations. By Interra, Innovation and Stewardship for a Sustainable Tomorrow. By Xylem, Let's Solve Water. By the American Waterworks Association, dedicated to the world's most important resource. By Black & Veatch, Building a World of Difference. By Can Do, providing actionable insights from utility wastewater data to improve environmental and public health. By Mentor APM, intelligent asset management software built for water. By 374 Water, pioneering a new era in sustainability. And by Woodard & Curran, high-quality consulting engineering, science, and operations services. This is Session 222. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGibson. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGibson and thank you for joining me. I hope everyone is having a great week. We have a terrific show for you today, Tacoma Zach. The co-founder and CEO of Mentor APM is our guest, and Tacoma addresses asset management. And he does so, and he just does an absolutely amazing job of describing asset management, relating why it's important, and providing some great metaphors to make asset management easy to visualize. You are really going to enjoy Tacoma's performance on this interview. And as you know, we always start with a thank you to our awesome sponsors at the top of the show. Again, sponsors for the 2022 season of the Water Values Podcast include Interra, Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black & Veatch, Can Do, Mentor APM, 374 Water, and Woodard and & Curran. That is a terrific collection of impactful companies that have decided to support water industry, education, and thought leadership. So thank you to all the sponsors. You are, you're, you've been amazing friends and supporters over the years. And I'd like for you, the listener, to do me a favor, if you would, please. If you work for or with any of the sponsors, thank your boss or thank your contact at that sponsor firm and tell them that you appreciate their leadership in the industry through the sponsorship. You'd be surprised how far that simple little note of thanks will go. And as long as you're letting the sponsors know that you appreciate their support of water industry education and thought leadership, why not leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, CastBox, TuneIn, or whatever other podcast directory you're accessing the podcast on. That would be greatly appreciated and, of course, will help others find out about the podcast. And also, please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. That'd be greatly appreciated. Now it's on to our featured guest, Tacoma Zach, who provides a riveting discussion about asset management, and you are really going to enjoy that. So let's get this water flowing. Well, Tacoma, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. It is fantastic to have you on. How are you today? Uh, doing quite well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we have this opportunity to chat. And uh, for those who, who may not know you, can you please provide kind of a thumbnail on how you came to the water sector, how you got interested in it? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I started out as a young engineer uh, just outside of Toronto, Canada. I did my uh, undergrad and grad in chemical engineering, um, but somehow always felt that, you know, cleaning up the world was kind of a cool thing to do. So, you know, one of my original projects was to start with a company that was building, you know, pilot plants. And by that, I mean, you know, the construction of the facility itself. 
uh, and testing some piloting some new equipment, uh, new treatment technologies. And uh, so that kind of uh, set the stage. I got into both the industrial and municipal treatment operations side of the business, which I thought was actually kind of cool. Uh, and then through a series of acquisitions, you know, I just sort of ended up at U.S. Filter, uh, which then eventually was acquired by Veolia. And uh, at one point, I had a cool opportunity in my career. I, you know, we, we got shipped overseas to Bangkok. And that was to sort of bring online one of the first wastewater treatment facilities for, you know, really big uh, population, 13 million people. And that was back in 1999. Uh, eventually, we, you know, we wanted to come back home. And uh, having actually been, you know, uh, born here, I always wanted to come back to the U.S. So I took a post with Inveolia, was uh, the Western VP uh, business development and industrial Western area manager. And that happened sort of in the early uh, 2000s. And then that sort of career sort of spanned up to about 2013. So I had the P&L for the, for the West with the industrial group. And that was the Chevrons and the Exxons of the world. And, you know, learn sort of the municipal side of the business and the industrial side of the business and the unique uh, elements of it. And, and those things, there was always a challenge and it was always interesting. I got into asset management um, back in about 2005. Uh, it was a program that was being developed by a good friend of mine and a colleague at the time that really began to sort of form the bedrock of that asset management program uh, that we really saw some good results with. And in 2010, as I was running the business for the industrial group in the West, uh, I took that approach to them with some really interesting results. And I don't know when we have some time, I can tell you a quick story about that. But uh, that was sort of the thing that sort of really where the light bulbs came on. Well, in 2013, then I took over uh, the company that he had started, um, Uberlytics, which was a firm that really specialized in risk and criticality analysis with a cool piece of software that he had developed, which really efficiently facilitated understanding where a utility was at risk, what assets were critical, that discovery process, and you know, memorialize that institutional knowledge. Um, and then in 2017, we, uh, we got together uh, uh, someone that I had known uh, in the industry who was on the software side, uh, and we took that, the software that we had, we took some software that he had developed and some intellectual property that we hadn't done anything yet with, and uh, we formed a company, uh, and that launched Mentor APM. Awesome. Well, I really want to get into this asset management um, and why it's important and a lot of the kind of the, just the, the underlying principles of it. But one of the things you, you when you were going through your history, I found interesting. You said the first wastewater treatment plant for a, a city of 13 million people. I mean, what how, how do you get a wastewater system started in a city of 13 million people? Uh, well, that was <laughs> that's really a, an interesting question. And uh um, we had a, a client representative of ours who sort of helped facilitate the whole deal. And uh, he called himself the lion tamer. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, the really interesting thing about doing business over here, and this was in Thailand. And he goes, you know, you have to basically get everyone to stand up and sit down at the same time. And uh, it was a little bit like herding cats. And so it was a really interesting project uh, funded by uh, Asia, in part by the Asia Development Bank and then, some, you know, another consortium set of investors, et cetera. Uh, and so we were doing the operational input into the design elements and then, you know, setting up for um, getting the plant actually, you know, started up. We were there for two years and then some project changes happened, et cetera. There's some interesting things about doing business overseas and, um, 
it's different than doing things here. And sometimes things go well and sometimes they don't. And sometimes things don't ever really come to fruition. And, you know, the interesting thing about it is that some of that is actually related to uh, the funding mechanisms. So it's one thing to build a plan. It's another thing, well, how are you going to actually pay to run it? Because they didn't really have the, the tax structure to fund the operations. So we went and visited a couple of other facilities that were, you know, in the stages of, you know, up and running. And it was, uh, it was, it was just really interesting to see what was happening there. Yeah. Some things were great and some things were not. Right. Well, that's, that's life, right? Uh, some, things, yeah. some things go well and some things don't. You just, you just keep on, keep on moving forward. But, uh, and that, what a, that's a great segue to asset management because sometimes things go well in asset management sometimes they don't, but but let's get a baseline as to what asset management is, you know, I mean, so for, for the listener that may have an idea what they think asset management is, you know, what, what, when you talk about it, what do you mean? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And there's a, a lot of, um, um, different ideas about it. You know, fortunately there is a standard out there that kind of helps set the stage. That would be like, you know, ISO 55,000. It's that international standard, um, which that one specifically uh, addresses asset management. Um, but I think, you know, at the, at the end of the day, if you want to distill it down for, for everyone, I think asset management really is, is just the coordinated activity of an organization to get value from their assets. Now there is a lot of detail that goes into that. And so do we, we, we sort of um, uh, make it a little bit more colloquial even in saying, you know, it's doing the right things in the right order for the right reasons to get the right result. And again, there's a lot of, you know, stuff that could go into these things, but if we were to sort of say, well, if we're going to start looking at strategies and this and that, what are we really wanting to do? If we're going to coordinate these activities, how do we make our decisions? And at the end of the day, I really think you, you need to make risk-based decisions about your infrastructure. You have to bring maximum value from those assets. Like don't own them longer than you have to and take care of them properly to, you know, for that long, 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 uh, long track record or that, that long uh, game. So you got to balance that short and long-term stuff. And you have to align the different functional groups within an organization. And the leadership, of course, has to support this thing as well. So, you know, those are some of the details. At the core, I always say, if we're going to coordinate these activities, it really centers around making risk-based decisions so that we can drive max value from the assets. That's where I think what asset management uh, is, at, at, is at the core. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think I know the answer to this, or at least I think what, I, I know what you're going to respond, but why is that important for the water sector? Well, um, I think it's really important because we have ever-increasing pressure to do more with less. There is an aging infrastructure. You know, we've got climate risk and there is, uh, there is this pressure of, of legacy of past management. Um, we hear about water insecurity. I mean, and these are great sound bites and, and they're, they're real. Um, but we have to look after those assets in a way that delivers clean, safe drinking water. If we're talking about water and that takes, you know, the, um, non-clean or the sewage away and treat that water for public health and for economic growth. I mean, those assets exist for a reason, um, for public health reasons, we have to have, you know, water that is, uh, not only clean, but that we do it in a sustainable way. Um, 
And, and, you know, there's a couple of other things that go into this thing that, um, what people misunderstand about what, uh, that entails or what asset management means to them. So asset management, we think, you know, the best practices really are being adopted across the nation. Um, and in some cases, you know, state revolving funds are, um, they're asking for asset management plans as a prerequisite for funding. Unfortunately, though, I don't think there's a clear enough definition of what those plans need to meet, or perhaps they're not, uh, the goals or the, 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 the hurdles aren't lofty enough. There is a standard out there. It's ISO 55,000. Um, and uh, it is a really good standard. So I think there's a, there's a need for that. There's a couple other things. I don't know if we have time for it, but you know, some, some misunderstandings about uh, what people think asset management is um, and what it isn't. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I asked you that question, because I, I, I agree. I think there is a lot of confusion about that. Uh, you know, and so that's why I wanted to, to understand what you yeah. So, so can you expound on that a little more? Sure. Sure. Yeah. You know, when we, when we look at water, um, uh, in, in particular, uh, a lot of folks think uh, in the in the utilities, both water and wastewater, actually, that oh, asset management is uh, some sort of maintenance plan, or they um, they think that it's some kind of um, pipe replacement program, uh, some sort of condition plan, um, or it's a capital uh, expenditure, you know, capital improvement plan. Those are elements; those are co- components of it. They're like pieces of a whole. But they have to stay coordinated and they have to stay relevant to the, the larger objective, um, which really is, is that level of service those plants are supposed to provide um, and do it in a way that they're resilient, that they're sustainable for the long term. Um, these assets really are critical for our communities. They, um, they, they provide basically the ability for us to exist. I mean, you know, short of everybody running out to the river and grabbing stuff. Um, it's essential. We, in fact, unfortunately, we don't even think that much about it because we are so used to just going to the tap. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it is about stewardship. It is about making sure that for our generation, for the next generation, we look after these things properly. And there's a, there's a host of examples, even from our personal lives that I usually sort of go back to and sort of say, you know, if we just think about how we run our personal lives, sometimes why don't we run our utilities or why don't we run our infrastructure, you know, this way. Um, but anyways, you know, there's a, there's a conversation around asset management. Like I said, that's heavily focused around pipe condition and replacement plans. Um, and we need to really broaden that scope to include the entire asset portfolio. It's the source water. It's the distribution. It's the plants that treat the water. It's the plants uh, that treat the wastewater. It's the collection system that treats the wastewater. And they all kind of have to be handled in sort of unique ways and done smartly in a coordinated way. And everyone's coming to the trough for money. So we have to pick and choose, you know, what, uh, what comes first and what comes later. Yeah. And how do you, how do you do that? I mean, in terms of, uh, because there are a lot of demands and right. And so a lot of, a lot of utility managers, Maybe out there just thinking, hey, as long as the water keeps flowing, as long as my level of service is there, you know, I, I can I can kick the can down the road and let. I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say a lot of utility managers. There are some um, that are just uh, trying to, you know, keep the system together with duct tape and bailing wire. 
and uh, they don't really have that asset management plan. So, I mean, can you talk about like that, that maintaining level of service and the different levels of service and things like that? Yeah. You know, it's always, um, you know, when we talk about asset management, it's always really good to start at the beginning and um, level of service is something that is um, um, I think in some ways misunderstood, um, but it's absolutely essential. And the problem you described about, you know, the, the utility managers trying to hold things together with, you know, bailiwick and doing this and doing that. I mean, it's really a, 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 a challenge and a problem that is intended to be addressed by asset management. And the best place it always to start is, is this thing called level of service. It's actually, and this is actually one of the interesting things about the difference between industry versus municipalities. Municipalities aren't driven by the bottom line, so to speak. Their business model is different. Their business model is driven around a level of service. And it's often referred to, technically, actually, it's referred to as a minimum level of service that the public infrastructure is obligated to deliver. But there's two challenges with this, and one of them feeds the other. The first is this misunderstanding of the word minimum level of service. People seem to think that it's minimalist, that it's, um, and they tend to react to the name minimum. And so they think, oh, it's kind of like this minimal effort kind of thing that we have to do. It's actually aspirational. It's not minimalist. It's actually like, oh, here, if we look at the school example, it's like a grade point average that you need to attain to make it to the next level. So the word minimum, uh, and in fact, every customer that we have, every client that we've advised has stumbled over that word. And we've spent some time trying to get them to understand, no, 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 guys, you guys are in the basement. You guys got to get up to the first and the second floor of the house, so to speak. That, that's the minimum level you guys have to stay at. And then the challenge is, is um, um, this balance between minimum and, and the idea of like, okay, what's, what's the bare minimum? Not the bare minimum. What is the, what is the level that we have to attain to below which we're not allowed to fall? So I'm just going to refer to that again. That's the minimal level of service that we have. Versus this gold plating that a lot of our systems um, seem to drive towards or the expectations sound really good. But the question has to be asked, are they really even warranted or are they beneficial? You know, we have to consider ratepayers' needs. We have to consider those expectations, but we have to temper that with reality and, the, and optimizing the cost benefit of, you know, the infrastructure. So I'll give you an example. We have a, we have a client in... Um, California. Um, and one of their aspirations was, well, we're never going to have an outage. And so they have in some locations, three times the degree of redundancy of pumps, which is a massive overkill because somebody for at some point decided, well, we should never have an outage. And so they're spending boatloads of money, you know, maintaining this. And that is, uh, an overkill. It's a, it's a, an unnecessary expenditure. So how do you solve a problem like this? How do you, you know, sort of say, okay, what does this actually mean? Well, a lot of times people don't know where to start because they put these lofty goals down. They have these motherhood statements. I call them motherhood statements. They are politically good sounding sound bites, but they're actually not very helpful. So when they say like, oh, well, we want to be the best, or we want to have the safest water, uh, or they want to have something, you know, some factor to do with the environment. And they're actually making it much harder than, the, than it has to be. 
And we had another customer in, uh, in California that we were talking to, and we were sort of going around the horn of this thing. And I said, well, guys, where's your charter? And this is where we need to start. And so then the questions kind of settled around, like, you know, the charter. And I said, well, yeah. What was the governing document that put you on the map in the first place? Like, why do these assets even exist? And so then we, you know, we dug that up and it's like, oh, great. This document says you come into existence because you're supposed to deliver this many million gallons a day with a number of qualifiers about that. And that's, that's the overarching charter. And that's where, you know, all of a sudden they realize, oh, well, this is cool. So this is what we have to deliver. And then various elements of the customer from staff to board members began to understand, oh, cool. This is, this is what we can't go below. And yeah, this is where we have to start. So anything we want to do past that, we have to really think about uh, whether we want to spend the money or not. So, you know, then there are ways of drilling down a little bit. And I don't know if we want to get into that, but, you know, there, there's a way to drill from that part to really understanding then the actual infrastructure and how that supports that. And I don't know if you want to get into that. Yeah, let, let's, I, I would love to get into that, but um, I don't want to, I don't want to get too deep into the woods right now. So let's, let's just talk about, you know, more that high level where the decision maker is going to be moving along sure. and, and, you know, why should the decision maker care about asset management? Kind of that, you know, why, why should they continue to adopt it and refine it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about some of these sound bites, um, aging infrastructure, uh, economic pressures, water security seems to be something that is, uh, you know, gaining, um, uh, more frequency, hearing that in the media and hearing that in, in, in releases, press releases. And, you know, it really is true, especially here in the southwest of the United States and other sub-arid and arid locations around the world. And uh, we can't do things the way we did before and expect a different outcome. And, you know, the Einstein's uh, famous, uh, I think it's Einstein, you know, his famous uh, saying that, you know, if it would be insanity to continue to try something the same way and expect a different result. So when we take a look at, you know, asset management, it really is about taking care of things in the most efficient way for the long term. And so the senior decision makers, those who are tasked with looking after these things, um, they, they really need to be mindful of that and have, um, have the folks in, in place, but also look at ways strategically saying, okay, how are we going to get to this, this endpoint? And, um, you know, I think in some ways the infrastructure bill, uh, tries to address some of that. Um, but we have to ask the question, we have to do things a different way. And I, I usually sort of, you know, when we talk to customers, we, we try to give them examples from everyday life. You know, when I look at it as like, we take cars, for instance, you know, we have to maintain a vehicle in the right way and we have to do the important things and the, the things that actually make a difference so that we can get long use out of that vehicle. If we ignore it, it's going to fall apart. And I think in some ways, when I, when I look at the current situation and the infrastructure that was built in the 30s and the 40s and the, you know, the 50s and this massive expansion and, and development that we had in the U.S. in the last century, we're kind of like the teenager who's been given this car and it's been kind of run into the ground. And whether we did it or our parents did or whatever doesn't really make a difference. And, you know, we, we've been trying to sort of band-aid it, but we, we, we didn't really look after it well. 
And now we get this chance, we're kind of on our own and we have to pay for our own car. And it's the only one we're going to get between now and when we're no longer driving. So we really need to wisen up and wisen up fast and start off correctly so that this thing is going to last our generation and the next because it's really, really expensive. So, you know, the, the, the decision makers, I think, also need to be educated and understand um, how things fail, how to keep things going, just in general terms, and do it smartly. Spend money and resources in the right way. Um, I think a lot of times we put the cart before the horse. We, in my own experience, uh, having been in the business about 35 years, having seen a host of different municipalities, um, they spend money sometimes out of order. A lot of times they think, oh, we're really busy and we're doing stuff. And so they think, you know, we're, we're doing the right things. Um, you can keep throwing money at stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the right things and in the right order. Uh, and so you can do them inefficiently and you can waste a lot of money. So, you know, with the infrastructure, um, it's throwing problems at utilities faster than we can fix them. And I think we have to be really smart at what we're going to pay attention to and what we're not. We all have $10 to spend and we have $100 of need. So what are we going to do? And the decision makers need to be aware of um, how the tactics are going to fit into the strategies. And I think asset management actually is um, the, the cornerstone of the solution. So I think asset management, you know, at the core is, you know, where we started earlier, spend money on risk. Where are we at risk? And we define our risk by what is our level of service that we're supposed to attain. And anything that challenges that level of service or puts it at risk um, is something that we need to pay attention to and where we should take or spend some money and resources. But that takes some thinking. That takes some discussion. You know, and... Um, it means you have to understand what's critical. You've got to understand um, when you take assets that are critical for delivering that level of service, how are they at risk? Um, you know, and we, we've done this so many times. We believe, you know, we have an, uh, an extremely efficient industry leading way that we did this because, you know, we developed it in the field in a for-profit agency with multiple customers at hand. Um, but we did it in such a way that it was designed for the customers to self-perform. Part of that reason is, is that the customers understand their business. They understand their utilities. They understand where their risk. Our, I think our job for those who help uh, decision makers is to help them with making those decisions, is to give them the information so they can make their own decisions rather than us telling them what, you know, what to do. Um, so, but the point is, is when you understand where your risk is, that's when you know where to spend the re additional resources, you know, do condition assessment and understand how assets are, are failing in those uh, areas of risk before you do it on the stuff that doesn't really matter. I mean, why understand, you know, when you take a car example again, why would I go and do a detailed evaluation on my paint and maybe my trunk? And, you know, the, the, the condition of the carpet in the trunk, if I'm about to go, you know, take a drive across the country. What I really want to know is, is what's happening with my tires, what's happening with my engine, what's happening with my fuel system. And hope, if you're in the Southwest, what's happening with my air conditioning system. <laughs> so, 
And, uh, you know, so from that perspective, it's, it's understanding where to spend the money first. And then there's, you know, there's opportunity to spend money later on. Yeah. Well, that's the real question, right? Is, is we can talk about spending the money smartly, but we live in a world of imperfect information. So how do you get the information to make the best possible decision? Great question. Um, you know, um, when we look at asset management as sort of a holistic approach, um, it has to translate down to the field. There has to be an alignment between what we aspire to and how we want to, you know, we want to keep these assets running and how do we make those decisions and how do we get data? And so when we're looking at getting data, we're talking about the field and there has to be this, this, this alignment there so that everything the field is doing is actually, uh, supporting the long-term objectives and, and not wasting time on, on spurious things. So, you know, I'll go back to the example again, where we were talking about level of service and when some customers have these aspirations saying, well, we want to have the safest water as an example. And we ask the question, well, what does safe mean? How do you measure that? You know, or they say, well, we never want to have an outage. Well, what does that mean? Um, you know, there's a cost associated with these things. So when we're looking at safe water, we start getting them to drill down into, well, that means chlorination or ultraviolet or, you know, what the residuals have to be out in the field. You're getting a little technical here. But the point is that it's two things. One, it's not a binary this or that decision. The, the infrastructure is complex and the infrastructure um, yields and it ebbs and flows and there are going to be outages, but how do you define safe? Well, so when you define that, you say, okay, well, we have to have certain parameters that can never go below a certain target value. Cool. Now we're getting someplace. So now we know we can put a sensor out there or we can, we can go and monitor something in person on a regular basis. Well, then the challenge comes with, oh, what's the quality of that data? You know, technology is there to help us. And technology has done some great leaps and bounds. And there's some really cool stuff out there. But the data needs to be clean. It has to be the right kind of data. And it has to drive the information for better decisions. So, you know, there's cool sensors out there. There's things that help uh, us understand what's happening, say, with valves. There's a UK company that does that called Smart Actuators. It's really kind of kind of neat. And it, it lets us understand that a valve is beginning to degrade. Well, that's a, that is a valuable data point because if the valve goes down, we could have some you know, serious issues and somebody could have an outage. So we have to understand what's happening with our assets as they decline. So the, the data has to be clean. It has to be relevant. And then you bring the human factors into account. And you know, a person goes in the field and they'll describe it one way. Somebody else describes it another way. And we worked really hard when we were running utilities. Like, how do we normalize the data so we can make decisions? How do we um, get the quality of information um, that is useful? And how do we get the volume of information that we can actually do something with? And, you know, we, we believe we've come up with a solution for that. But when we look at technology, and say, okay, as we put sensors in place, vibration sensors or thermal sensors or, you know, whatever else, uh, position sensors, that sort of stuff. One of the things we see, again, is, is this, uh, as you alluded to right at the beginning, this, you know, trying to hold things together and, and sort of a, and I'll use the word, sort of a shotgun approach, a scattershot approach. We can throw a lot of tech at stuff, um, but we have to do that judiciously. There's no point in throwing technology at something that's allowed to fail, that when it fails, who cares? 
But the stuff that can never fail, that is where we should be applying technology and the right technology and then know what we need to do with the data. It, to me, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but but when I think about asset management and using technology and things like that, what you're doing is you're improving the information so that the decision maker can make the best possible decision. It doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen. Like if, if you, you know, you've said you got $100 worth of repairs needed, but you only got 10 bucks. So you use the information to make the $10 worth of repairs. It doesn't mean that that something else won't fail. Right. I mean, but you are just because something that something else happened, that doesn't mean you, you incorrectly applied the, the dollars to fix a problem. Right. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Correct. Um, you, you know, that's, there's, there, what we've seen is there's this, there's this bit of this fear out there. Uh, so when, you know, when we talk to, to folks and say, guys, let's think about this smartly, let's figure out where you're at risk spend your money here first and then spend your money, you know, over here later on. And it's, it's awesome. You know, the customers, you know, chime in with it, this and that, but somehow um, customers still want to, someone who I got to take care of this over here. And they've, they, they are afraid that if things fail, that the system's going to fail or that they're going to get dinged for it. You're absolutely right. We have far more to do than we have time or resources for. What we can't do is let the things that really put our level of service at risk, let those things fail because that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big hammer. That's you know, when people lose their jobs or people get sick and, and um, that's, that's something that shouldn't happen. But it happens in everyday life. Stuff fails. I mean, again, we go to a, a, you know, a car analogy. I've, I've got a, an older SUV and you know, I, I look after the tires engine and all the stuff that makes the vehicle go from A to B and haul stuff the way I want it to. Well, my lift gate doesn't work anymore. Well, stuff's going to fail because it's older, but my lift gate, I should say the motor for the lift gate, it doesn't work automatically anymore. It's an annoyance, but it doesn't really matter. It's not really impacting the primary level of service that my vehicle is supposed to provide, which is, you know, haul stuff and take me from A to B and make sure the air conditioner works. So, you know, and it's the same with infrastructure. We will have things fail, but what, what some things are designed to run to failure and they should run to failure. And we just have to identify what those things are. Yeah. And it, it's just the decision maker needs to understand that going in that, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to get you the most bang for your buck and, and help you achieve those goals that you mentioned. Yeah, you know, we've got a, a great, great story. This is sort of a, the epif- one of the epiphany moments, uh, and this takes the, the municipal approach and it applied it to an industrial context. If if I can share a quick story, real, real of course, quick. yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, so um, back in two ten, uh, we took um, this approach that we've been talking about and understanding where our uh, facility was at risk. So we were in a in a refinery context, which is a, a very strict. Uh, environment. And uh, we were providing um, boiler feed water. So it's kind of like providing the blood to the heart of the plant. If if we shut down the facility, the whole refinery has the potential to shut down and that's a no-no. So we were a critical piece of infrastructure. And so you say, okay, well, we cannot shut down. Cool. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper. What is it that we did? Well, we ran this facility for 18 years. We thought we knew everything about it. 
But we decided, and we did a number of different studies, and we said, okay, no, no, let's bring this risk analysis uh, approach in here and find out what happened. And we had previously thought we had about 30 days to fail gracefully, thinking, okay, well, we can bring other stuff in and, you know, we're going to be okay. When we did the analysis, we realized that we had this risk beneath the surface and we were going to fail in eight days, or sorry, in eight hours. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody had ice running through their veins. Well, we knew that some things could fail, but we, we knew that those things um, had, had time. And those things were allowed to fail over time because we could mitigate. We could do things about it. What we didn't know was the stuff that would fail so fast it would really put us underwater and actually seriously harm business or harm that level of service. So um, sometimes it's a case of, of understanding and letting things and having it part of the plan to say those things should fail. And other times it's like, nope, there are some things that cannot fail because it will literally upset the primary objective of why those assets even exist. And, you know, I can't stress enough that in asset management, making risk-based decisions is the best way to secure that uh, level of service that the assets, the infrastructure is in place in the first place to deliver. And that's kind of a convoluted way of saying it, but like, you know, the assets exist for a reason to make sure that those assets keep delivering, make risk-based decisions. Well, Tacoma, talk, can you tell us a little about why you built the software for Mentor APM that, that provides the asset management service? Sure. No, great. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, quite simply, uh, we looked at our own frustrations in running utilities and we said, you know, there has to be a better way. And uh, we needed something that wasn't bespoke, we needed something that wasn't sort of little bolt-ons. We needed a holistic solution um, that really dealt with uh, running utilities that provided that asset performance part of it so we could really understand uh, what was happening with our assets and m- give us that information we were looking for to make decisions so that we could make risk-based decisions, so that we could make you know decisions on when something was too expensive to own and too expensive to repair, but also so that the software could be easy to own. Um, we knew from our days that there were a lot of pain points. Um, software was either expensive or it was extremely frustrating to 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 install. And, uh, you know, an entire ecosystem was, was, was built around those sort of things. And to be honest, we also looked at it and said, it seems like the software was built for accountants and not the plants. So with those frustrations, you know, we've really said there has to be a better way. So we just said, well, why don't we just build it? We're coming up very quickly on the end of our time together. And so uh, I'd like just to ask you for your leave behind message uh, in terms of what, what, what do you want the listener to, to leave this interview with in terms of asset management? I think asset management is at the core again, doing the right thing in the right way to the right assets to get the right result. You know, it is really about making risk-based decisions to secure that long-term viability of the infrastructure that we are so reliant on. This has been a fascinating discussion. I, I have very much enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. Uh, and I, I like the analogies you used about the car and the story about the, the practical application of asset management where you said you only had eight hours uh, before uh, critical failure. But um, for those who want to find out more information about you, 
asset management and mentor APM, where can they go to get that information? Well, we have a website. Uh, you can go to mentorapm.com and uh, that will uh, show you a little bit about our team, uh, a little bit about the software, um, the company, you know, where we have really tried to imbue the principles and the strategies of asset management into the software so that uh, it really helps take customers along the way uh, to realizing the end goal of asset management. Got it. Well, thanks very much, Tacoma. We will, for those uh, listeners out there that are driving or, or not near their computer, we'll, we'll put the link on the show notes uh, at the landing page for this episode. So check it out. And Tacoma, I really appreciate your time. It's been fantastic having you on. Thanks so much. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. All right. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Tacoma. Take, take care. Bye-bye. Awesome, awesome job by Tacoma. And if you couldn't tell during the interview, I loved the car metaphor for asset management. It was easy to visualize, and it just encapsulated the core message about asset management so well in an easily understood metaphor. So great job, Tacoma. Really appreciated you coming on and shedding light on asset management and how important it really is for the water sector. Well, I'd love to know what you thought about the interview. Please check out the show notes for this episode. Uh, You can Google the Water Values Podcast. Just click the first link that comes up. That's our landing page on Bluefield Research's website. Again, the Water Values and Bluefield Research are not affiliated entities. We just have a joint marketing arrangement. And as part of that, Bluefield is kind enough to give us a home on the web. Well, you can also tweet about the podcast using the hashtag Water Values and tweet at me using my handle at DTM1993. And you can email me at david.mcgimsey at dentons.com. And you can sign up for the newsletter at that landing page I mentioned earlier as well. Well, thank you again for tuning in and I hope you make it a great day. Plus, I want to give a huge thank you to our sponsors. Again, sponsors of the podcast include Interra, Xylem, the American Waterworks Association, Black & Veatch, Can Do, Mentor APM, 374 Water, and Woodard and & Curran. And this show would not be possible without those great companies and industry leaders. So please let them know that you appreciate There's the support they've given the podcast. And again, thank you for listening and subscribing to the Water Values Podcast. Truly appreciate it. And we'll see you all soon. I hope you have a great month of November that's coming up here soon. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource. So please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Well, thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and nothing in this podcast should be taken as providing legal advice or as establishing an attorney-client relationship with you or with anyone else. 
Additionally, nothing in this podcast should be considered a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer that finds water issues interesting and that believes greater public education is needed about water issues. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water.